Amen. Amen. The ushers will pass the baskets. And I'm going to invite our speaker this morning, uh, Pastor Roger, to come up. And uh, it's always good to have people come with a different voice, different perspective on the scriptures. We're going to start a new series today called Light Has Come. And um, after he begins speaking, if you could take a second and look at your Facebook page, you'll see that the live stream is up there. And we ask people to share that live stream because we want to leverage technology to propagate the gospel of the kingdom throughout the world. Amen. And the, the views uh, that are from these messages that people are, people are just plugging in, checking out the message. We've had stories of people being touched so powerfully from the live stream. And so we want to just continue to ask you to share that. And let's welcome Pastor Roger. Good morning. I, I just want to thank both uh, Greg and, and Pastor Jim for honoring this older fellow. <laughs> yeah, they're letting their light shine, too. <laughs> All right. Well, if you've heard me preach, you probably know that one of my things that God has put on my heart uh, is to understand why we're here. To understand the, the reason you suck air, the reason that you have a body and that you live here, the reason that you have a spirit in you, and the, that you have a purpose that's higher than your existence. I hope you realize that. And God wants you to know that. He's made it known to us. I mean, the scientists today are still trying to figure out why the earth exists as the only blue marble in the heavens. In fact, I have a, a CD at home that talks about 29 satellites that were put up into the heavens to track the various ecosystems that exist on the earth and to, to try and find out using heat sensors and all kinds of devices up there, uh, what the heck is going on here on this earth? Why is it the way it is? How, wh- how is it that this planet has life on it and supports life and there isn't any other planet in the heavens like it? And you know what? After all their data collecting for like 12 years, they put all these things in those massive computers that we have these days, and they processed all their information. And you know what they came up with? All the ecosystems that are on the earth work together to support life. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I'm sorry. I do. I find that amazing that it took 12 years and all those satellites to figure out what God said when he said, in the beginning, I created the heavens and the earth. Amen? I mean, you know, in spite of that revelation, the scientists are still today trying to figure out how our galaxy got to be in the condition that it's in. The sun, the planets, all aligned the way they are. And the best theory that I've heard they come, they've come up with so far is this thing called the Big Bang. And let's say God used the Big Bang to do it, all right? But if you have just the Big Bang, where's the meaning and purpose to life? And we're left, if we're left to ourselves to determine that, then we find meaning in what we can do or what we can achieve. And therefore, we're probably, in that case, should be called human doings rather than human beings. Amen? But that's not what God planned. He planned for us to be human beings. 
and to find our existence in him. And so he makes that clear to us, and he makes clear to us why this earth exists. His word tells us that the reason that the earth exists is because he's dealing with sin and Satan. And he's going to judge it. First, he's going to defeat it with his character. Then he's going to judge it and remove it from his kingdom and his presence forever. But for this period of time right now, the battle of the ages is going on on this planet. And it's between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. It's between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Antichrist. Do you find it interesting that there are so many programs on the television that have to do with spiritual things, but mostly in a negative light? Who do you think's directing that? That's not God. That's the God of this age, the God of this world. See, without God's purpose for our existence, we really don't have meaning. We really don't have purpose ourselves. You've probably heard me say this before, but I think it's critical for us to understand. Because you see, what you believe will determine how you live. Is that true? What you really believe will determine how you live. And how you see yourself and your purpose for being. How many lives are ruined because of lack of purpose? How many people have been told things by their parents or by others that cause them to feel like they have no real meaning or purpose? But you know, the one we should be listening to is God. Because he decided that we would have meaning and purpose before the earth was created. You see, sin first happened in heaven, didn't happen on earth. It happened when sin, well, it's sin, when Satan rebelled against God and tried to take him out and become the head of all things. And it says in Revelation that uh, there was war in heaven, but we'll see that in a minute. First, I want you to know this. In God's infinite wisdom, he decided to defeat sin and Satan first with his character and the power of his character before he judged it once and for all and removed it. And so in order for that to happen, God had to take the penalty and the judgment that was due, the wrath that was due sin on himself. Is that amazing? When someone wrongs you, is the first thing that comes to your mind, well, let me see how I can pay for that. That's not how we as human beings usually find ourselves thinking unless the Spirit of God is helping us to process that wrong. Amen? Like Mary said, or like uh, Pastor Kelly said this morning in her nice little poem. So, how is God going to deal with Satan and sin if Satan and sin are in his presence in heaven and that can't be a possibility as far as he's concerned? First of all, he's going to have to remove them from heaven. He's not going to try and defeat sin in heaven in his presence. He's going to remove it and deal with it somewhere else. Guess where he threw sin and Satan to begin with? To this planet. Look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 to 9. It says, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, 
and his angels with him. So before God created the first human being, before he created the sustenance for life on the earth, Satan was already here. That's why the scripture starts the creation story with, and darkness was on the face of the deep. The earth was in darkness. There was no light. Amen? That's what the scripture says. Now, the Bible confirms that the plan of redemption through Jesus Christ was in place before the foundation or creation of the world or mankind. I'd like to have us look at 1 Peter 1, 18 to 21. So under the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter writes these words, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen, here's the words, before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and your hope are in God. Now look at 2 Timothy 1, 7-10. It echoes this truth another way. Paul encourages Timothy to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ without thought for himself in these words. Join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Isn't that an awesome plan? That before the creation of the world, before any human being ever took the air of this earth into their lungs and began to breathe, Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God who would take upon himself the wrath that was due sin so that Satan would be defeated by the character of God, and the character of God is the power of God. Amen? Now, what does that mean for you and me? I mean, after all, it says that God created man in his image, and he put him in a garden, a perfect garden. And it says that in that perfect garden, he began to have fellowship with God. I believe Adam and Eve worshipped God as well as had fellowship with him. I think they knew that they weren't equal with him. And yet, as you know, if you've read your scripture, that sin entered the world because man decided that maybe he could be equal with God because of Satan's influence in the garden. There's two things I want us to understand about this. First of all, Satan didn't put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. God did. We see this in Genesis 2.9. It says, The Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God knew that man could sin. He gave the potential for man to sin himself by putting two trees in the garden, the tree of life and 
the tree that man could sin against God by taking the fruit of it and eating of it. You see, if God's going to be a redeemer, then he needs to redeem his creation. Does that make sense to you? That beforehand, before man ever sinned, God was a redeemer? And that his character is the character of redemption, restoration, overcoming the consequences of sin, defeating it with his love and his grace and his mercy. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I think it's awesome. I find right now that I have a life that has more meaning and purpose than I could ever have had had I never met Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. If I've never been born again by the power of God through the Holy Spirit. If I hadn't had my nature changed by God so that I could live a life that had meaning and purpose for him, that I could co-labor with him and see Satan defeated not only in my life, but also possibly in the lives of many others as I testify of the love and the grace of Jesus Christ and serve God in his power and grace here on earth. You see, my purpose when I get up every day is not only to love my wife, and by the way, I want to honor her faithfulness to me, This next Wednesday, we will celebrate 48 years. She's a wonderful gal. I'm blessed. You see, God allowed Satan to tempt man, and God allowed man to fall. There's one thing God will never violate when it comes to humankind, and that is your free will. You have the right to choose who you will serve and who you will live for because of Jesus Christ, because of God. Not because of you, but because of Jesus Christ. In Romans 5.12, we find that Adam and Eve sinned. By the way, did you notice that they sinned before they had any children? Hmm. You see, if they'd had any children before they sinned, they wouldn't have needed a Savior. Ever think about that? But God knew that all of mankind would need a Savior. All of mankind would need to be restored back to the condition that Satan would put them in. And you see, that's how Satan's defeated, is by God's grace, mercy, love, forgiveness, kindness, goodness, and personal affection for his creation. And God gives us meaning and purpose that Satan wants to rob us of. You see, if you're Satan's child, you're a human doing. If you're God's child, you're a human being. Isn't that awesome? Well, Adam, as you know, and Eve chose to disobey God and to sin... And the scripture says that the moment God said to them, the moment you do this, you will die. Now, Adam lived another 900 years. So apparently something happened to Adam at that moment that he sinned that was different than just physical death. And if you've probably heard me, if you've heard me preach, you've heard me teach this, that the root meaning of the word death is separation, not cessation of existence. Because God defines death as when your spirit leaves your body. Your body is temporal, your earthly body, but your spirit is eternal. So when your spirit leaves your body, it's going to go to one of two places, either to the presence of God 
or separated from him forever, which is spiritual death. You see, when Adam ate of that tree and Eve ate of that tree, they died spiritually. They were spiritually separated from the life that God had breathed into them, and they became spiritually dead to God. But the awesome thing is that as soon as they did that, God pronounced salvation through Jesus Christ. Because at the end of his declaration of what sin would cause to human life and the earth, he ends it with this, but out of the seed of the woman will come one who will crush Satan's head, though he will bruise his heel. Now, right here we see in the garden, right as soon as man sinned, the one who's the real enemy is Satan. And the one who God will defeat, not only by his own power, but through man, is Satan. Amen? So, what is your purpose for being? And the answer is to co-labor with God in the accomplishment of his purpose and plan on the earth. How many of you have made a plan before? Let me see your hand. Somebody out there? All right, so we're intelligent enough to know that we need to make a plan. How many have ended up with plan B? Okay. Jesus Christ is not plan B. And it's so important that you know it. So important that you know it. He is the light that has come into the world. And he, according to John, is the light that enlightens every every man or every woman. He's the light that's there to enlighten. It's up to us whether we receive him as the light. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3 tells us that God predestined every human being that is redeemed from sin and Satan's power and made alive to God as a son or daughter, not only to be saved through Jesus Christ, but to receive every spiritual blessing that is ours in Christ and to become co-laborers with him, with God. Now, how many of you have tried to serve God in your own strength? Anybody here? How's it, how's it work? How's it going? Yeah. Do you feel closer to God because of what you do? For him in your strength? No. See, the awesome thing is this. It's in Christ Jesus that we get to live with God, that we get to live for God. It's in Christ Jesus that we have our nature changed, our identity changed. We receive an inheritance, right? We have an intimacy with God, and we have a destiny with God. Isn't that awesome? And it's all ours, free. Like Mary said, it's on the house. All it costs is you to give your life to Jesus. All right, let's read this together. Ephesians 1, 3 to 10. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You see, a lot of theologians take this passage and they call it a predestination passage, that you were predestined to be saved. That is, that Pastor Jim and Pastor Kelly were chosen, but some other people were not. 
That's not what this scripture is teaching. Because what we've seen is that Jesus is the Lamb of God slain when? Before the foundation of the world. So if you're chosen in Christ, when were you chosen? (laughs) You were chosen before the foundation of the world in Christ. Do you see it? And then there's a passage that many say in Psalms where it talks about God knowing us when we were knit together in our mother's womb. Right? Before we, it says, before you were born, he knew you. Well, I believe the Holy Spirit showing me that what that really means is the moment you're conceived, God knows you. While you're knit together in the womb, he knows everything about it. And he participates in your creation as a human being. Because it was his purpose and plan for that to occur. And it says he knows everyone. Right? Will you agree with that? That he knows everyone? But do you think he causes people to act sinfully for conception to occur? Does he purpose that? That would mean that God would honor or purpose for sin to occur as the means for us to have life. And that isn't his plan. He, he abides with that plan when it happens, but it's not his purpose and plan. His purpose and plan was the marriage covenant, which he gave to the humankind as the first covenant that was given to them. So do you see that God doesn't predestine people to sin? He predestines people to be redeemed. Amen? Isn't that awesome? That's a whole different story about the purpose for your being. You see, if God says you have purpose in his purpose in creation, that means there's no meaningless life possible unless you deny God, unless you refuse Christ. Because in Christ is where we have everything that he wants us to have. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms is where? In Christ. But he doesn't want you to simply have this as a knowledge or fact. Because God is not a God of knowledge only. He's a God of experience. He's a God of intimate, personal relationship. I mean, Paul describes our bodies as the temple of what? Come on, you Christians that are out there. What is your body? It's the temple of? The Holy Spirit who is where? In you. You see, God wants you to know that he wants to abide in you all the time. And he wants to be the source and the power from which you live your life. In John 15, Jesus says, Without me, you can do. Yet many of us keep trying to do what he asks us to do in our strength instead of his. Someone wrote a song once that was a big hit. It said, What the world needs now Yeah, well, guess what? Before the creation of the world, what the world needed was God, and God is. The question I would like you to answer this morning, and when we're about to get to it, is are you living the experience of your relationship with God in Christ? Or is it head knowledge? Listen to what these... This awesome passage says, Ephesians 1, 3 to 10, Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation 
or creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to adoption, um, to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. Notice God has a plan, a pleasure, and it gives him pleasure, and his will brings him pleasure when you receive what he has predestined for you. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one that he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times had reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So God's plan for us is to experience and release every spiritual blessing that's ours in Christ. So the question I have for you this morning begins with this. Do you know for sure that you are completely, totally forgiven and unconditionally loved? See, Pastor Jim preached so eloquently last week about the elder brother and how he lived as an orphan instead of as a son. God wants you to live as sons and daughters. And you can't be a son or a daughter of God and live in intimate fellowship with him if there's still sin that would separate you from him. And so what he did for everyone who is in Christ is he took the sin that was yours and laid it on Jesus, and he gave you his righteousness. So that right now, you have a right standing with God in Christ that is pure, that is holy, and that is, allows him to pour and lavish on you unconditional love. Some of you have heard my testimony. God chased me. <laughs> like that song said. So I sat on a bed one night in a hotel and said, okay, I don't care what it costs, I just want to be right with you. And he led me down what is called the Romans Road and showed me I was a sinner by nature and only he could change my nature. I couldn't. And then he showed me that I was a slave to sin. I said, a slave to sin? I am not a slave. And the Holy Spirit said, oh, yes, you are. (laughs) And then I had to admit that all my efforts to change, to make myself acceptable to God, were worthless, useless. I couldn't do it. And then he set me free from being a slave. Isn't that awesome? That you don't have to be a slave to sin or Satan. That you can be a free child of God. And before that evening was over, I felt unconditional love that I had never felt in my life because it was his love that came here. I prayed for you this morning. If you've never felt that, that you take the moment right now and you would just say to God, God, I want to feel your unconditional love. I want to know it in my heart, in my spirit, and in my soul. So if you've never asked God to do that for you, I want you to do it right now. I'm going to give you a minute to take time 
to be with God. I want you to put feet to what I'm saying. I want you to believe that God wants you to feel his unconditional love right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father God, I come against every lie the enemy has been trying to speak into people's hearts and minds about their worth. And I ask that in Jesus' name right now, they would surrender and say, I want my worth to come from you, God. I want my worth to come from Christ. That Holy Spirit, you would just give him a hug, a holy hug. That the lavish love would flow. Thank you, Jesus. The second thing God wants you to know if you are in Christ is that you have Christ's righteousness and God has changed your nature. He has made you to be a son or a daughter. You're blameless in his sight. And as a son or a daughter, you get to say, Abba, Daddy. You know that picture that Jesus gave to the disciples when they were arguing over who would be the greatest among them. He said, the kingdom of heaven isn't like that. Here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he set a child in their midst. And he said, unless you become like a little child, you cannot inherit or you won't have the blessings of the kingdom of heaven. And what's that mean? My children were dependent on me when they were children. You see, the kingdom of God is not about independence, about total dependence. And when you pray the Lord's Prayer, do you realize you're praying the declaration of dependence? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whose will are you asking to be done? And who can do that? He can, right? Give us this day our, and forgive us our, as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, as we've been forgiven, we need to forgive. If God has made you totally righteous in his sight, who can you hold accountable to you for any sin that was ever committed? So let's go to God this morning and thank him that he's changed our nature and made us holy. And then thank him that we have the privilege and the right to be known as sons and daughters, not orphans, not those who have to earn 
our place with God, but sons and daughters who freely receive his intimate personal love and that can have our identity not in ourselves, but our identity can be in Christ and in God as God's children. Amen? So let's just take a moment right now. You know, lots of times we finish our messages and we send you out and, and we give you this, this responsibility. Now go interact with a message. And you know what I found after preaching for 10 years? Some people didn't know what I preached on Sunday by Wednesday. But you see, I don't want you to leave this morning and not have an opportunity to know that God says to you, I want you to understand that you are my son. You are my daughter, and I'm well pleased to have you. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But I'm going to lavish it on you because of Jesus Christ. And because I want you to be able to co-labor with me in my kingdom, and you can only do that as a son or a daughter because they are the ones that I give my authority to. That makes sense to you? Just as with the prodigal son, the ring was put on his finger. The robe was put on him. The, the shoes were put on him. Why? Because he was going to function as a son of the father. God wants you to function as a son or a daughter. But you can't do that if you haven't accepted the fact that you are that intimately invited to relationship with him. So let's take a moment right now. I hope you're not living as an orphan. I hope you're not feeling that somehow your relationship with God can never be that intimate, that personal. Because he says to you, it already is in Christ. Would you pray? Father God, I ask right now for sonship, for daughtership to, to be made real to your children this morning. That, Father, in Christ, they would see themselves as one with him, one in the family, beloved by the Father. That you just are waiting to lavish out your power, your presence, your purpose for their lives. then just a few verses later in the scripture you say, Paul prays, I pray that you would be given a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know the hope to which God has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance that are given to the saints, and the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. And that power is like the power that he exercised when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, every name that has been named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he's given him his head over the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You see... Because you're in Christ, God will exercise his power and his authority through your life if 
you set your life to live for his purpose. Does that make sense to you? Your part is just to live for his purpose. Your Bible and my Bible says this, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So one of the things that will happen when you say to God, I want to live for your purposes, he'll change your attitude toward the world. Instead of sitting in judgment on it, you begin to have a heart's desire to see people brought out of darkness and into light, out of the kingdom of Satan into the, dear, the kingdom of his dear son. Or in other words, you will become the evidence of God on earth and his love for people. Amen? I mean, seriously, how do you see people? Do you find yourself still with a judgmental spirit? Do you find yourself still able to condemn? As Pastor Jim showed us in the, in the sermon last week, when it came to the woman caught in adultery, Jesus said to her, what? Neither do I condemn you. He didn't come to condemn. He came to save. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Do you see yourself as an instrument in God's hand to see someone come to faith in Jesus Christ, to be touched with God's unconditional love as it flows through you because you've received it from him and are receiving it from him every day? You don't know who might be saved simply because you reach out with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? But that is your purpose. That is your purpose. To be his witnesses in his power for his purpose. So, I hope it's been a good thing this morning that we've met. But Jesus Christ wants his power to be the source of your life. Satan wants you to believe you're powerless. If there's anyone here this morning that has been feeling powerless, I have good news for you. The God who created heaven and earth says, you can have my power. I'll gladly lavish it on you. I'll gladly move through you to accomplish supernatural things. All you have to do is depend on me for it. All you have to do is want me to use it for my purposes through you. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, I just thank you that we are created with meaning and purpose. And the meaning and purpose is for your kingdom purposes on earth to be accomplished. Because you say in your scripture that one day this earth is going to be destroyed as it now exists. And a new heaven and a new earth will be created. And there will be no sin. There will be no sickness, sadness, sorrow, mourning or death. There will be no more Satan. But for now, God, the battle is on. So I pray for your children this morning, God, that they would understand that they are warriors. That they are warriors of the Most High God, endued with power to make a difference and to take this kingdom back for you. To see people saved instead of lost. To see love rule in Jesus' name. So, Father God, I thank you for the privilege of calling this to be this morning in our lives. And I pray, Father, that you will make it more and more real every moment of the day 
that we have identity, intimacy, inheritance, and destiny because of your plan and purpose for our lives. And I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have people up front here this morning. If you would like prayer for any of the things that you were invited into this morning, or if there's anything in your life that you need prayer and support for, please come and get prayer from these people who have surrendered their lives and are serving God. And we thank you in Jesus' name.